goals and plans they had in high school and then connect the dots to the present day. This is personal. This is all about connections. This is College and Career Corner. Welcome to this week's installment of College and Career Corner. I'm your host, Andre Anderson, Senior Coordinator of MBRT's Next Generation Scholars. So I am really excited for our guest this week. In the studio with us, we have Annie Richards, who is the Chester Riverkeeper with Shore Rivers. Welcome. Thanks, Andra. I'm happy to be here. I'm so glad you're here. It's so exciting. So um, I, I, I really want to dive into your role and your position because it's something that as I am explaining to students who are really passionate about the environment and about advocacy and community events, it's a really essential role in this area. So can you tell us more, what is a riverkeeper? What does a riverkeeper do? Okay, I'm glad you asked that because a lot of folks will ask me what I do. I'll say, I'm the Chester Riverkeeper, and they think, wow, you must be out on a boat every day right. cruising the Chester, which is luckily a part of my job that I'm, you know, very luckily get to do that every week. Um, but there's a lot that goes into being a riverkeeper. Um, and it kind of starts all the way back with actually this month is the 50th anniversary of the Clean Water Act. Okay. Um, wow. Which was a federal law that was passed to help protect. America's waterways. And during this time in the 70s when the law was passed, the Riverkeeper Movement began. It was the Waterkeeper Movement. Mm -hmm. It started on the Hudson River and has grown from one Hudson Riverkeeper to 350 Waterkeepers internationally. And those Riverkeepers and Waterkeepers are all housed under various local nonprofits. So for myself, I work for Shore Rivers. Uh, We are a local water advocacy group. Our mission is to protect and restore eastern shore waterways through science-based advocacy, restoration, and education. And we are actually three grassroots organizations that merge together. Mm -hmm. So those legacy organizations protected the Chester River, the Sassafras River, the Choptank River, and the Miles and Y Rivers. And so those organizations had a combined legacy of over 30 years of protecting these waterways. They merged together about three or four years ago. And so as the Chester Riverkeeper, I am an advocate for the Chester first and foremost. I am the lead voice for the Chester. I'm representing the Chester River's interest in any platform I can insert myself, whether that's politically, whether that's in education, whether that's in restoration. Um, I'm also a citizen scientist, a community scientist. So I spend seven months of the year out on the water, uh, collecting water samples, conducting tests, analyzing that data, and then sharing that with different uh, governing bodies. So that might be the Department of Natural Resources, Maryland Department of the Environment. It could be um, local county commissioners or state delegates at the uh, Annapolis level. So I'm uh, also heavily participating in the legislative session every winter. So Mm -hmm. January through March, we lobby and testify to support bills that will increase and protect water quality on the Eastern Shore. And then I'm also a community resource. So anyone who wants to know more about the Chester, what they can do to help, what are the current health and challenges that the river faces, they can reach out to me. So a lot of things. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot of hats, but yeah. I like it like that. Yeah. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put Emma on the spot here. Emma, can you identify what skills might be necessary for Annie and her job? Leadership and teamwork. Yeah, leadership and teamwork. We like to talk a lot about skills with with students at at King County High School and understanding and and realizing that skills over 
job, right? You can you can change your job and you probably will change your job, but those skills you're building can take you from one job to the next, to the next, to the next. So um, with that in mind, I mean, knowing that this is your current position, we like to take a little backtrack, right? All the way back to high school and thinking about what you wanted to pursue when you were a junior or senior in high school and just seeing if it was similar to what you're doing now. It's so funny. So I grew up on the Chester River. So, you know, for me, this was a homecoming position to become the Chester River Keeper. But my attitude about the Chester River was very different when I was in high school. I couldn't wait to get out of Kent County, travel, explore, go to the big city, you know, just have a different experience than the one I had known. Mm -hmm. Um, And I went to local high school, Gunston Day School. And uh, as part of a yearly requirement at Gunston, uh, each student was required to do a week of base studies every May before the end of the year. And so those could be day trips, community service trips. Some of them were overnight trips. And I, uh, as a sophomore and a junior, had an experience with Echo Hill Outdoor School, which Mm -hmm. is a local nonprofit outdoor education center um, housed in Wharton. And they have a fleet of historic Chesapeake Bay workboats. And so for my trip, I went out and spent a Monday through Friday on the Skipjack Ellsworth. And we Um, really just explored the Chester River, uh, learned about Chesapeake Bay ecology. But what was so special about that trip for me was there was so much time dedicated to just being out there, immersing ourselves in all the life that exists in this dynamic ecosystem, and also getting to know the culture and lifestyle that was inspired by a community of people that made their living from the water, that made their living by the water. And it was a total change of perspective for me as a 16, 17-year-old. And uh, it also helped me just really fall in love with boats and sailing. And so while I didn't have a really firm idea of what I wanted as a career, I knew that I loved this concept of outdoor education. I loved the concept of making your living on the water. Mm -hmm. And so that really set me on a course for um, getting my captain's license and working on tall ships and various sailing ships of Uh, many kinds. Ultimately, I ended up working at Echo Hill for about a decade Mm -hmm. and managed their historic Chesapeake Bay work work boat fleet under Andy McCown. And uh, years in between that, I also was lucky enough to do some blue water sailing. So I was able to work uh, all through the Caribbean. I sailed through the Panama Canal on a charter uh, catamaran with uh, that just did expedition style charters for families looking for kind of a different type of adventure. Uh, I worked for a program called Action Quest, which was a community and youth building uh, summer camp experience for teenagers. And they would learn how to sail um, 50-foot sailboats and learn how to scuba dive and explore uh, the Caribbean islands all in one shot. And so I I did that for a couple of seasons. And then I was also lucky enough to work for a program called Seamaster, which is, you know, basically a college study abroad experience for college students who are looking to travel learning how to work as a team to sail a ship from one place to another, as well as taking science, marine biology classes, scuba diving, that type of thing. Wow. So that one initial interest kind of led you in all of these different places. So how did you, how did you find out about these kinds of jobs? Like where did you, where did you even start? Well, I started at Echo Hill Outdoor School. So because I had had that um, kind of amazing experience through base studies with my high school, Mm -hmm. we were also required to do senior internships. Ah. So for my senior internship, I applied to work at Echo Hill Outdoor Schools. I did a two-week internship. And I loved that so much that um, 
I started working for Echo Hill in my summers in between college. Okay. And the part of Echo Hill's curriculum that, of course, held my interest the most were those boat-oriented programs. Mm -hmm. Uh, Echo Hill covers a wide range of Chesapeake Bay ecology classes and experiences, but where I was constantly drawn was out on the boats, out on the bay. And through talking with staff members who were older and had been working full-time and had since graduated college, I learned about these various opportunities. Um, I I semester the program I eventually worked for, I was also once a student as. Okay, so okay. Uh, I learned so you about, about it. Yep. <clears throat> so even understanding that that type of study abroad experience was even an option was mm-hmm. a totally, it was totally revolutionary to me. So that kind of really set me on my path of how to get my captain's license, how to get more sea time, how to spend more experience and time on different vessels so that you could you know, gain all of that kind of dynamic experience. That all kind of came from just conversations I was having with coworkers as a summer intern mm-hmm. at Echo Hill. And then when I came back uh, after graduating college, I worked for Echo Hill for a year, driving their boats year round. Um, and then I knew I wanted to go out and do some blue water sailing and kind of just continue to explore learning things from other types of programs, other types of vessels, other regions. Mm-hmm. And that was you know a great choice for me for about two or three years i was able to sail across two out of uh i was able to sail across the indian and the atlantic ocean wow um i was able to sail through southeast asia out to the maldives and back um you know south america the caribbean new england and through that i not only had incredible travel experiences and kind of built on some team building and leadership skills that are just necessary when you're working on a a tall ship environment, but also the cultures that I got to experience and the fact that they were all shaped by the waterways Mm. that were nearby Mm -hmm. was a lesson that really resonated with me. And it also made me cherish the Chester even more because Mm -hmm. I knew how much that was a factor for the community that lives around the Chester River and those who live around the Chesapeake Bay. So that was always something that really stuck with me regardless of where I was sailing, what program I was working for. That's amazing. So you got to kind of see all the different corners of the world and it it piqued your curiosity for what was at home. Yeah. I love that. I think it's so important for students to hear that too, to take the time to go off, explore. But, you know, don't forget about where you came from, how important it is that there are so many job opportunities right here as well. And especially if it's something that you're passionate about, you can come back and, and make a big difference. And having this worldly knowledge, I'm sure, is so beneficial at Shore Rivers. You can say, well, you know, when I, I spent that summer in the Maldives, they did this. Do you think that would work here? Or, you know, whatever it might be. So that's that's very cool. Very awesome. Yeah, it, it was great. And it, it, it you know, I, I had that international experience for a couple of years. And then I knew that I wanted to take what I had learned and come home. So, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, you know, that was a big shift for me. And so, you know, in 2014, I moved home and uh, worked full time for Echo Hill for another six or seven years, you know, just constantly and, and maintained the fleet and built, you know, um, programs with Andy and and did a lot of Chesapeake Bay education with these students, which, by the way, was not my training in school. Mm-hmm. So that was all job experience that came to me afterwards. I was an English major in oh, college. I love that. So 
Gunston had a really strong humanities program, and so that was something that felt natural to continue into college. Um, and so a lot of people ask, oh, were you an environmental science major? I would have imagined that, yep. Absolutely not. I, yeah. was, a, I was an English major with an anthropology minor, yeah. and uh, I took one science class in college. And, <laughs> Same. <yeah. laughs> Earth science. They made me do it. <laughs> yeah, right. It was like a gen ed basic, like science 101, what mm-hmm. is science? And um, But I, because I was spending all of my days immersed in the water, immersed in the marshlands, immersed in any kind of area that we were teaching these students in, I knew I had to do my research. And um, I was also just learning from a myriad of stakeholders around the Bay. So, you know, one of the things that Echo Hill and a lot of experiential organizations that I've worked for have done so well is not being the only voice. Mm -hmm. So connecting Mm -hmm. its students to folks who are doing this work every day in different types of capacities. And I was able to learn as much as my students were. That's awesome. And so a lot, you know, a a decade of of on-the-job training really went into what I know about Chesapeake Bay Ecology and specifically about the Chester River. Yeah. So having all that knowledge and having worked for Echo Hill, working for all these different organizations, coming back to be here on the Chester, working with Shore Rivers, what do you see currently or what what in your mind is like a big priority that you if you could spend the rest of your life working on this one thing what would it be well gosh um <laughs> as the chester river keeper you know and, and i i envision myself you know being with shore rivers for a very very long time I, I feel so lucky to be in this position and it's a way i can really kind of bring a culmination of the skills that i've kind of honed over the last 10 years home and give back to the community mm-hmm. um and so our water quality needs to improve. Mm -hmm. And so advocacy for that work is never ending. And it, you know, you, you, you can hear a lot of river keepers, water keepers talk about how their goal is to work themselves out of a job, Mm -hmm. but we can say that confidently knowing that our job will always be necessary um, because there's constantly impacts happening within a watershed. So, you know, on the Eastern shore, 60% of our land use is dominated by agriculture. So I find myself working with farmers as stakeholders a lot of the time. And Ensure Rivers as an organization does as well because they're key players in the conversation. Um, Farmers want to keep their soil where it is so that it benefits the plants that they're growing, the crops that they're growing, the animals that they're sustaining. And Mm -hmm. we want it to stay there too because we don't want it in our waterways. Um, And so they're a a key player that we're partnering with constantly and we're working with. something that I feel personally passionate about is public access. Mm -hmm. Um, I wouldn't have gotten started on this path if I hadn't had these key life experiences of recreation on the waterway. And that's just not necessarily the story for everyone who lives in Kent and Queen Anne's County. There's a lot of folks who have never been out on the Chester River. Mm -hmm. Um, There's 85 miles of shoreline for the Chester River, and there's only 12 recognized public access sites on the DNR website. Mm -hmm. Out of those 12, only 10, or 10 out of the 12 are just parking lots with a boat ramp. So okay. if you don't own your own car and you don't own your own boat that you can launch, you are not getting out on the water. Yeah. And so making that a bigger connection, a bigger priority for counties to provide that experience and make it easier for community members to access the river, mm-hmm. you can't protect what you don't love and you can't love what you don't know. So oh. getting folks out on the river is is definitely a priority for me. Yeah. So I guess that's one of my questions was also, you know, how do you work with the community? So you're out there 
advocating, you're in, you know, creating awareness. Those are two huge pieces. Are there, do you get involved in any of the, the programming that brings people to the water through the schools or is that a different, that's more of the educator, different positions? Yeah. So I'm lucky in that Shore Rivers, we have a department of four river keepers because we serve four major watersheds across the region, but it's not just a river keeper organization. Mm-hmm. We have an agriculture and restoration department with an engineer. We are considered a technical service provider by the National Fish and Wildlife Foundation. So we mm-hmm. can design and implement major restoration programs and projects on various lands, whether that's agriculture land, whether that's an urban stormwater program um, to benefit water quality and benefit communities. Um, We also have an entire education department that serves thousands of students on the Eastern Shore. Mm -hmm. Um, And so they're doing this work as much as the river keepers are every day, making sure that kids of all ages are, one, aware of what's going on in their watersheds, two, that they have the opportunity to get out on those waterways through various field trips. And that might look like going to Horn Point Laboratory and Mm -hmm. dissecting an oyster. That might be canoeing and paddling. Uh, Our education department partners with local nonprofits like Sultana Education Foundation, Echo Hill Outdoor School, um, and just making sure that also these students, as they get older and are thinking about what they want to do, that how just how important and necessary green jobs are and how much green jobs are growing on the Eastern Shore. And if that's something that they want to pursue, how can we help connect them to those opportunities? Yeah. So um, this year we hosted um, an Upper Shore um, youth Summit that was hosted at Washington College mm-hmm. this past um, March, I believe. And part of that experience was elementary school children, middle school children, and high school children were able to do a, a mixer uh, where they could go and connect with nonprofit and green organizations and talk about job opportunities, internships. But also there were forums for them to get together and talk about what was inspiring to them about environmental advocacy. Why are they fired up about it? Where do they want to see policies go? Um, And so that was just an amazing summit to be a part of. um, And we'll be doing it again this year, which is exciting. Yeah, we brought a group of students from the high school to go to it. And it was it was awesome. We actually made connections with um, minorities in aquaculture. And uh, yeah, so she came on the show. Um, We also, you know, got to learn about really cool internship opportunities. And we got to reconnect with one of our volunteers, Darius Johnson. And he talked about his uh, history and, and writing your story based on the connection to the water, which was so cool. So all of these different pieces, that was that was a really awesome and well done event. So yeah. that's great. That's yeah. great to hear. Um, and so and beyond our education department, we also have a community outreach department. So mm-hmm. we're constantly trying to think about, you know, water has connections to everything that we do mm-hmm. um, on the water and the, everything that's happening in our watershed has a connection to our local water quality. So there are a lot of unlikely partnerships that you may, you know, find that are actually incredibly beneficial for water quality. Like uh, you may not think that Kent Attainable Housing (laughs) would be, you know, a likely partner for a water quality organization. But in fact, we develop river-friendly yard plantings and Mm -hmm. native plantings that prioritize, you know, native plants kind of rewriting this idea of aesthetic that's like this perfectly mowed lawn with the fertilizer and the crosshatch mow marks on this, you know, endless <laughs> green pathway, which is essentially just one tiny step up above impervious surface in terms of how it impacts water quality. And not to mention all that fertilizer can then end up in our waterways. So reimagining what a beautiful yard is and then utilizing native plants to both help water quality, but also oftentimes help a house, you know, 
um, if uh, area is prone to flooding mm-hmm. or standing water, native plants are really um, inexpensive and amazing tool to use to help that. So we've partnered with Rebuilding Together, Ken Attainable Housing, um, a lot of different partners in the local area that allow us to implement river-friendly yards mm-hmm. and help the families that are, you know, making their homes, you know, more functional, more beautiful, but it also helps the Chester. Yeah, I love that. So there's so many connections and possibilities and partnerships and that's something that we try to you know encourage students as they're going out to figure out you know community service or uh, jobs or internships you know this is what exists right here and you just named a bunch of different departments within one you know one community nonprofit so um, I think that's that's awesome what what would you say to a student who is maybe listening and, and thinking like well I care about the water or I care about access to water but what, how do they get started what could they do well I always say to en- to someone of any age who wants to know what they can do figure out a way to get out on the water just for pleasure first and foremost mm-hmm. if you are running into barriers about that reach out to me reach out to Um, you know, teachers at school, reach out to resources that you have to figure out how you can get out on the water. Because Mm -hmm. once you get out there, you can see firsthand what's going out on the waterway. You can see that after a major rainstorm, our water clarity is severely Mm -hmm. impacted. You can see in the heat of the summer that we are facing algal blooms because we have too much nutrients in our waterways. But you can also have your kayak glide over top of a native grass bed that's been, you know, establishing and you can see the water clarity go from just one foot of visibility to six feet of visibility Mm -hmm. and see, you know, crabs and fish and just a biodiversity of life existing and seeing exactly what we're working towards, Mm -hmm. what we want to be seeing across all of our waterways. So there's a lot to be said about just being out there and seeing what's going on so that you can be a firsthand advocate yourself for what's going on in our waterways, but you also need to be out there to give yourself hope because this Mm. is a marathon, not a sprint. Mm -hmm. We're not going to fix our water quality overnight. People have been working for decades and decades to do this, and I'm just continuing on and building work that people before me have done, and there will be someone after me that's fighting this fight. But to go out and get you know, hope and fulfillment from the waterway as it is right now, because there is so much life in spite of all the challenges that it faces, that's just as important. So just getting out there first and foremost, and if you're, if you're struggling with how to do that, you know, there are resources for you, you know, and um, I'm definitely one of them. Um, But after that, getting involved in local issues. So um, if you are a county resident getting involved at the Kent County Commissioner's meetings. Mm. You know, if there's something going on there that's going to impact water quality or another environmental issue that's close uh, to your heart, writing a letter, standing up and making a comment makes a difference. That's a huge part of my work as a riverkeeper, and I'm constantly um, hoping that, you know, uh, more and more just community members, students will be involved in that process because the more voices that stand behind me when we're advocating for an issue – you know, the more the commissioners stand up and listen. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so regardless of whether it's the town council or, you know, if you live in a downtown that has a town council or you live in, um, you know, within a county jurisdiction, figuring out who those players are and Mm -hmm. not being afraid to just get involved and voice your opinion. Yeah. And I think people don't necessarily realize that their voice does matter when it comes to issues like this or advocacy or or the place where they live and, and, and work. Um, you know, it's important to remind people that they have, they do have a voice. Oh, absolutely. I mean, 
these meetings happen, you know, on a regular schedule throughout the month. And I can't tell you how many meetings I've been to where I'm the only voice in the room. Yeah. Um, and some of that's hard because we all have school and work and lives. Right. And it's my job to be there and doing this. But a lot of these meetings are in the evenings. Um, and when a group of people submit a letter or show up, it change, completely changes the energy of the room yeah, and and how much the commissioners are paying attention to the community will behind a, a specific topic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think there's a theme when it comes to advocacy, environmental or not. It's just you discover, you start with that passion of like, I love this place. Mm-hmm. And then you see something not so great and you're like, I want to protect this place. And then it becomes, who can help me protect this place? <laughs> you know, who do I talk to? And that seems to be the theme within it. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Um, So, I mean, we talked a little bit about, you know, your passions and and current priorities. How do you feel like you, you know, you've you've moved a a bunch of different jobs, but all kind of within the same general industry. How do you feel like the skills that you started learning in high school helped you or, or what was it that really propelled you forward when you were looking at different jobs? So I think what I really started with in high school was just following things that excited me. Mm. I don't know that I necessarily, it's funny when I got this position as Chester Riverkeeper is my second year and um, the alumni magazine for Gunston wanted to interview me oh, when yeah. I got the job and they, you know, they thought they asked me, did you always know you wanted to be a Riverkeeper? <laughs> Absolutely not. Didn't even know that was a thing. Yeah, I didn't even <laughs> know that was a job you could have. I just knew that I wanted to do something that was exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, I knew I wanted to travel and I, just knew that I am an active person and I, I wanted to have that in my in my life and in my career. So I, I really just started by saying yes to anything and everything that seemed interesting and exciting to me. Mm-hmm. I didn't think about how it all kind of fit together and built together until I now look back and mm-hmm. see how intertwined that was. Um, and that would definitely be advice for me, for students in general, is it's important to have a plan, but don't always evaluate something against, you know, is it going to fit into this vision of what you want for yourself? I have this vision of what I want to do, of what I want to be, and I can only say yes to opportunities that looking ahead seem like it's going to fit perfectly into that puzzle because there are so many life skills that you learn just from taking on a job that takes you outside your comfort zone Mm -hmm. or puts you in a new position. It has you learn new skills. And I can say that my on-the-job experience has counted for as much or significantly more than my academic and theoretical training. So while that's all really important, just chase jobs and experiences that are exciting for you and help you develop new skill sets. And you'll be, I think, pleasantly surprised to see how they all come together um, to work for you. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I love that. And especially I love when students learn, you know, what somebody studied. And if it's not directly related, they're like, but how does that work? (laughs) Exactly how you're describing, you know, you were like, Hey, that's an opportunity. Hey, that's an opportunity. Let me see where this goes. And I don't never taken an environmental science class, but I sure do like being on the water. So, you know, how does that work? Exactly. I think students kind of get a little bent out of shape looking for a particular, very focused academic area to study without realizing that studying something like English or I studied history. I don't know. It was fun. I liked it. It was interesting. And being able to write and research is going to do so Mm. much for you across any field. So depending on, you know, what your field is, if you know how to communicate, um, you know, what you're passionate about to other folks, whether that's an employer that you're hoping is going to hire you Mm -hmm. or whether that's a group of constituents that you need to convince 
um, on a particular issue, it all is valuable. Mm -hmm. Um, so it adds up. So just kind of follow what inspires you and, and, and it'll, it'll lay itself out for you. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Such good energy for a Tuesday for heading into the middle of our October. I can't believe it's October already. I know. No, Emma's shaking her head. I know. Me neither. <laughs> Me neither. But this is like really high time for um, seniors who are hoping to go to college or, or take a next step outside of high school. This is the time that they're working on their application. So there's all this like energy and kind of stress and anxiety. And I, I have to pick the right major. I have to pick the right thing. And, you know, I'm sure if we look back on your application to college, you might not have even picked English. Like, I don't know. I'll pick something. Sounds good. Yeah. Um, so just encouraging them not to overly stress about it you know it will it will work out if you continue to follow what what makes you curious and what interests you yeah I love it awesome any final parting thoughts or anything that anything coming up that we can get involved with with Shore Rivers so Shore Rivers is wrapping up its water quality season so we Mm -hmm. monitor from April to October and so you can keep your eyes out for um you know our reports that come out, um, our State of the River reports that will be coming out this spring, Mm -hmm. um, generated from all of this data that we've been collecting. And um, other than that, you can always, you know, check in on our website. We're always uh, publishing press releases and advocates that are detailing our work and listing upcoming events that folks can get involved in. Awesome. I love it. Well, thank you so much for being here today. I really appreciate it. It was my pleasure. I always love learning more about, I mean, I had never, I never knew anything about the Chester River until I came to Washington College. So I love learning more about it. It's amazing. So thank you. Thank you. Awesome. All right. Well, that is our show for this week. We will be back again next week with another installment. See you then. This is 90.5 WKHS Warrior.